0: Welcome to the Inspired Wild Podcast. I am Trevin Stoltzfus, and I'm joined today by Adam Weatherby. Uh, this is kind of an interesting little story, Adam, how you and I met. Yeah. Um, it, it, it was through mutual friends. Actually, one of my pastors uh, knows you. And um, I got an email one morning before I was going to church, and Kevin is his name. He says, hey, Trevor, are you you coming to church? He goes, I got a guy I want to meet, I want to introduce you to. And I said, yeah, I'll I'll be there and gets there. And it was you, which is kind of funny because you and I have been standing within 10 feet of each other on multiple occasions, I think. Um, at the shot show at different shows probably and we probably know a lot of the same people. and I got to meet you at church. So that's kind of cool. Yep and then you were gonna drive up
1: here and we're gonna do a podcast yeah. and then yep uh, then the world changed. <laughs> and here we are. yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah in and, and, and a crazy way, um, yeah, we, we had everything scheduled. you were actually had a big trip to New Zealand scheduled. Yeah. Yep, and uh, and and uh, then we kind of got locked down. So yep. uh, I do I don't like doing podcasts via Skype and, and relying on the internet and there's just a, a uncomfortable ta- uh, pause that happens. But we'll make the most of it. Yep. So um, I'm excited to hear your story, Adam, of of Weatherby and um, how you know how that all started. Because I've heard a few things. I think I've seen some short films and some different stuff on. But I'd love to, to sit down. And that's why I wanted to do this and, and have you kind of fill in the gaps. You betcha.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's uh, we're uh, this is actually our 75th anniversary this year. So it was uh, 1945 that my grandfather started the business. Uh, so three quarter of a century ago, he grew up as a uh, Farmer's kid in Kansas, born in 1910, real rural area, had uh, several older sisters, and uh, just, you know, didn't did own a thing on his back, started getting a love for the outdoors out there, trapping and shooting neighbor's crows and just different things, and and uh, moved out to California, uh, and uh, in the early 40s, you know, kind of really started up where he, he got a passion and, and love really for ballistics and, and hand loading and um, really kind of had some theories about, uh, you know, getting bullets moving faster um, and what that would do uh, on terminal performance on an animal in the field. And uh, so, yeah, in, in 1945, officially started there in Southern California, uh, which was in California all the way till I moved it out here last year to Sheridan, Wyoming. And so, um, third generation took over from my grandpa and, uh, you know, after after my dad took over from him. And so, uh, yeah, it was it's been a been a crazy ride in a long time, uh, you know, being born into this family really of a, kind of a prestigious name in the outdoors from what my grandpa started early on.
0: Yeah, that is that's pretty cool. Three generations. And um, you guys are, I mean, definitely in that upper tier when it comes to uh, when I at least for me as a sportsman, when I think of Weatherby, I mean, I think of quality. Uh, I think of a, a heritage passed on. And um, to be honest, you know, when I was growing up, I didn't have a lot of money. And, um, you know, our our fo- our our family wasn't poor, but we weren't you know, we were rolling in the dough. And so there wasn't a lot of expendable income. And Weatherby was something that you aspired to have. Um, it was something known for consistency when you thought of, uh, of, of you know, being accurate, stuff like weatherby always kind of rolled off the tongue. So you guys have done, uh, for starting with your grandpa and, of course, your dad, that just uh, created an environment and and a name that really goes with quality. And so I, I, I commend you guys for that. I know that, it, you know, it, I'm sure you're those that came before you had a lot to do with that but how do you guys see yourselves in this market and i mean what do you do to 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 try and maintain that that heritage sure
1: no that's yeah that's my job every day you know uh you know my my dad and grandpa before me built up a a prestigious brand and, and name like you said that it does have that reputation and we we definitely Understand that, and and then it's really leveraging you know that brand uh, from our product line, our reputation, our customer service, everything that we provide. We say that we exist to inspire the dreams of hunters and shooters, and we know that we are a kind of an inspirational brand, if you would. Uh, it's the type of thing either you know we hear folks say, "I've always wanted to own a Weatherby," or. Man, my dad owned one. My grandpa owned one. It's, it's uh, you know, it's a tool that's handed down for generations, and we get to be a part of that. So we hear stories about that. Sure, it's it's just a tool. It's a firearm, right? Um, and yet, you know, those firearms often are you know a key and integral part to the outdoor experience for some, and so. Uh, A lot of even why we moved here to Wyoming was we've expanded our engineering team and our manufacturing and product development so that we can continue to push the envelope, um, not only in quality of things that go in the outdoors, but also the innovation, you know, for those different things. And so where a lot of people have traditionally looked to us as a traditional brand, I mean, back when my grandpa was running it, it was, you know, it was high-end walnut stocks and Real high gloss finishes. We still do those things today, but it represents a small part of our business as compared to a lot of the newer technologies, you know, that are out there. Uh, for instance, this past year we came out with a new backcountry rifle, the Mark V Backcountry and Backcountry Ti a titanium gun, and. It's a sub-five-pound gun, carbon fiber stock, first-ever 3D-printed recoil pad, uh, you know, with a Magnum caliber that fits in a sub-five-pound gun. And so we're really in that space, really owning the space for really the combination of the lightest and fastest in a production rifle. It's, to be honest, a firearm that my grandpa would have looked at and probably said, it's ugly and it'll never sell uh, because that wasn't the, the Weatherbees of old. But yet at the same time, the same way my grandpa was innovative in his days, we have to continue to do that and not just live off the successes of yesterday. So we gotta continually push that just like the generations before me. It looks different today. Uh and, and it's moving quick and it's highly competitive and, and that means we gotta be on our toes and we got a good team, I think, up for the task.
0: Wow, that's cool. Um I I, I think of where, you know, I started out in the industry. In the early 2000s with Eastman's Hunting Journal and I was the first one of their first research editors there and and, uh, the long range shooting was just starting, you know, to take a hold. I I don't know if that's what I want to say or it was just being introduced. Now, we always knew about the sniper military type of um, long range shooting, but but the applications that came into hunting, in my opinion, the early 2000s is really when you started seeing it. Some of it has to do with probably some of the hunting videos and hunting television, and and the fact that the medium of YouTube and all that stuff is was starting to grow. Uh, maybe that was happening long before that, but you just didn't hear much about it. How uh, how do you as as a as a manufacturer, you have this balance of the ethics and you have accuracy. <laughs> And, you, you know, as, as Weatherby, I would think sometimes you get caught in the middle of that.
1: I think it's, no, it's a good question. It's one we face often. But I think ultimately that's, it's up to uh, the same as a, uh, as a car. Uh, there are cars that go too fast, uh, you know, but it's up to the driver of the car uh, or you take alcohol or you take a lot of things that are out there. And it's, you know, it's really up to that end user to have a decisiveness, you uh, you know, a, a really discernment of, of how to do that. And so, you know, we provide a product for people. Uh, you know, we, we happen to have what we call ballistic superiority. We're known for our fast-moving, you know, uh, you know real hard-hitting cartridges that we have. So that, that definitely does give more horsepower, if you would. It's a faster car um, and needs to be used responsibly, if that makes sense. And so I think it's up to, you know, the individuals to figure out from a distance perspective, um, you know, where, where that is and, and for, you know, the, the conditions it's different for whether you're, you're prone or kneeling, or if you have shooting sticks or standing, that all makes a difference. If the wind's howling, that makes a difference. You know, people want to look to a, a golden yardage number, uh, but it, it depends on such a myriad of things. And, and certainly, uh, you know practice is is part of that hunting experience is part of that to really know and understand but with today's optics today's cartridges you know high accurate rifles it certainly definitely is a is a is a tool with more horsepower than the
0: you know the, the hunter or shooter used to have right for sure and i you know being a, a hardcore bow hunter that i i have always been uh i know for a fact that my shooting distance uh, my let's just say my my true kill ethical range. You know, people say, "Hey, what's your what's your what's your sweet spot?" Well, like today, I can hear the wind outside my office. It is howling. So my ethical distance shooting a bow might be 20 yards today. And then tomorrow morning, and it's nice and still, and I might go out to 60 and, and just stack them in there. So I think a, a lot of people have to realize that, like you said, with prone or, or standing or shooting sticks, every, every little factor adds up to your accuracy and 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 yeah you just have to make that decision and put in the time you got to put some lead down range to know where uh, you know what what your sweet spot is and 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 how that changes with the with the weather and with the conditions for sure um that's cool so I, i'm going to sw- switch topics real quick here because i understand you were actually n- thinking about going into another line of of business or or another field of of uh, of work before you went with Weatherby, that you were you looking at, at possibly going full time ministry? Uh, not looking, I did for fourteen years. <laughs> oh, so, okay, okay. So yeah, before so, you you took over,
1: well, right. So I was at the company for a number of years uh, when I was younger and in college and then left for a little over a dozen years, went into full-time ministry, and then came back a number of years ago. So, yeah, so had a, a varied,
0: varied career there, if you would. Wow. How, uh, how did it change in those dozen years? How, or did you see, uh, as a, I'm always fascinated by marketing, because my business, producing uh, films and producing television shows, stuff like that, the marketing is always spun into it. You know, it's, it's always about uh, creatively showing something without being salesy or uh, sales pitchy, if, that, if that's a word, um, but yet be creative about showing features uh, of a product in the way that we use it naturally hunting. Um, so if you left for 12 years, technology went somewhat, you know, in that, that ten, last 10 years, even the prior ten years, technology grew. What did you when you left? What what's the big difference of 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 the marketing strategy of of a business like yours from when you left and when you came back?
1: Yeah, I mean, frankly, there's just a lot more competition uh, that that really came in, and so uh, you know, so things I think things changed where you had a lot of folks, you know, around as long as we've been around. There's there's not there's not too many of them, and there's been a lot of new New companies, you know, that have come into the space. And so it's, it's, um, it's really kind of changed the game, you know, kind of quite a bit there and changed marketing strategies and those different things. I think what happens when your legacy brand like ours is there's a big advantage uh, that you have because everybody knows who you are. Uh, there's a disadvantage because everybody knows who you were more than they know who you are, if that makes sense. So you have st- strategically, if you need to rebrand yourself, in other words, uh, some people think of us as their, their grandpa's wood gun that was high up on the shelf, and that's what they grew up thinking. And, uh, you know, unless they spend some time on social media following us or on our website or their buddies just got a gun or whatever it is, that's kind of there. And so there was a a big rebranding, if you would, that was needed, just like there is for any legacy brand that you need to constantly be doing that. Otherwise, people may have in their mind what you were before. And we did a survey a number of years ago, kind of from our average you know, customer base and really kind of found out a lot of information, you know, through that, that you can start to head in a new direction, but you got to be very intentional about letting people know where you're going and who you are. Otherwise they'll just have, you know, the same view of you that they always did before.
0: Right. Right. That makes total sense. How has social media changed the way you get that message out? You think?
1: Oh yeah, it's huge. I mean, it's, uh, Yeah. uh, It's huge. It's ever-changing. It's frustrating. It's a little bit of everything. Um, So certainly, you know, the the platform of social media is definitely big, obviously, as a firearms company. uh, Unfortunately, we have restrictions uh, in different venues of social media platforms, what we can do, where we can advertise, and where we can't. Uh, And uh, so as a a firearms uh, company, we've been banned from that, which there's a uh, definite conversation we could go down on that. I'm sure we'd probably share some similar thoughts there uh, that uh, we don't have the freedoms to advertise that other people do, uh, but but our competition's right in there with us. We're all in the same boat of having been banned from that. So we because we can't do that like a lot of companies can, Um, you know, advertising on the the large social media channels. Really what it means is we need a lot of people out there. Uh, We need our products in the hands of of people who can then let people know and post about their hunt and how they were successful with the Weatherby and whatever those things are. So, uh, you know, the real importance of today's, quote, influencer, as they say, um, is definitely more and more important, uh, especially when when you have your hands tied, uh, you know, regarding some of the advertising you can and can't do as a firearms manufacturer because we make weapons and apparently the weapons can do damage or something, and it's not the person, but it's the weapon. Don't get me started on yeah. that. Yeah, well,
0: and, 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 yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a it's a, a kind of danged if you do, danged if you don't type of scenario, and, and it's unfortunate, especially in the niche that you're in, you know, um, you, you, you're you even seeing that spill over into rifle scope manufacturers, um, you know, anything basically to do it. It hasn't as much with bow hunting community. Um, we haven't seen it like you guys have. Yeah, not yet, anyways. Um, and I say y- you guys because we are actually, I mean, I'm actually starting up rifle hunt more because I have a 14-year-old daughter who loves the outdoors. And I made a huge mistake at them. The first year that she could hunt, I took her bow hunting. I'm an idiot. (laughs) And so we sit out there in Colorado, and we even slept. We took our sleeping bags and slept in the blind because I kept blowing these deer out when we were getting into this area where I'd set this blind, and these deer were working through. And so I thought, well, we'll just spend the night. Sure enough, the next morning, big buck comes by. You know, he's 45 yards, but I won't let her shoot further than 35. And so we sat there and watched this beautiful buck. Anyway, make a long story short, I get home and my wife says, why don't you just take her rifle hunting? And she looked at me and she goes, I can do that? And I think she kind of thought because I bow hunt, that was kind of the first step. You learn to bow hunt, then you graduate to rifle. And so anyway, then the the following season, I took her to Wyoming, just north of Rollins, and uh, she killed a great buck. And and, but it, it, so anyway, I've, I've gotten, I've gotten much more into, uh, rifle hunting and I'd forgotten how awesome and wonderful it actually is to just go out with a rifle and just how much fun it is. It's, it's, uh, anyway, I, I, that's, that's my own deal, but I, that was a mistake I made and get especially getting kids in involved in hunting. It's great to have that, that initial success. You know, where, uh, sometimes with a bow, especially, you know, a vertical bow, uh, where you're having to draw and everything and low poundage, it can be very frustrating for a young hunter to, to find success. Um, but yeah, I actually just, just, uh. My daughter
1: got her, teenage daughter got her first turkey uh, just this last Friday night. (sighs) And uh, uh, yeah, it's just, there's nothing like that, you know, seeing the joy on their face. You know, she's hunted a a lot of animals and, you know, taking some big game animals and whatnot and done a lot of bird hunting, just never connected with the turkey. And so she was just out there quite a bit this year, you know, going out. But it's, it's, there's nothing like that. And seeing them, you know, uh, find that success in the field and, you know, it's, uh, it's, definitely a fun thing as a father i can i can
0: resonate with you on that one. Oh, for sure for sure I, I i what is uh you know if you could give advice to a dad who's who's getting his kids or does it's his desire to get his kids into hunting the outdoor not just hunting fishing you know whatever just being outdoors what are some some suggestions you might have
1: yeah i mean you mean of what to do or how to do it
0: yeah well both um I mean, I mean how do you foster that love sure um you know I, I, we live yeah. in a computer age we especially now sure. with the with mm-hmm. what we're going through you know it's how do you get them off the screen time out, you know out yeah, and, uh, yeah. so I, I just love
1: to, to hear your opinion no no for sure and i'm actually Taking my son's about ready to graduate high school, and we're going bear hunting next week, hoping to get him his first bear for a little graduation gift. But that'll be up to him; he's got to pull the trigger. Right. So uh, it'll it'll be fun. But yeah, it's I think everybody has a, a longing and a you know yearning to get outdoors. You know, for a variety of reasons. I think obviously we need to make it somewhat enjoyable for um, uh, You know, you know, you and I may love to go backcountry hunt and you know go do a bunch of different things, and depending on the kid. You know, you can drag them out there and drag them through misery, which maybe we tend to love and you know, not bring them into it too early where they don't they don't have that. So to give them a, a memorable or enjoyable experience, which doesn't have to necessarily mean that you harvest an animal by any means, but, uh, um, you know, just to, to get them out there. I mean, my kids came with me. I think one of the things is to bring them out before they're actually hunting, but just to come with, you know, me on a hunt when they were younger. So they grew up. Um, you know, doing a bunch of different hunting and they were the, you know, bird dogs as kids and would love to go retrieve a dove off the ground or, you know, love to, uh, you know, go get turkey after a shot or whatever those things are. And so I think having them, Starting them young, if you would, of just getting outside and in the field, I think, gives them a love and a kind of a, a longing for it that then when they do become of age and it's the time where, you know, they get their hunter safety and their license and, you know, go out there and legally partake in it, it's a it's an experience that they've seen you do and seen, you know, seen that and eaten the meat and done done that. So then when they get there, I think, you know, they're ready for it. If they just grew up and never go out with you and all of a sudden they've been on their Xbox for 10 years and... You tell them you're going to take them outside. They don't know what that is. It's probably a little bit late at that point, to be honest.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. That's true. I I think the 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 thing that I tried to do, and I and people ask me all the time. You know, what are they need to be? They don't need to be cold. <laughs> right. So turkey hunt tr- turkey hunting. I always have a sleeping bag. Yeah. Right. You know, it, when they were young, and um and and if I have to get out of the blind earlier than I would if I was hunting alone. I do it. I just didn't want them to have that memory associated with being miserable. Yes. exactly. You know, there, there's, it's one thing to push them. I, I, uh, I'm really fortunate to my nephews and uh, still live in New Mexico with my little sister and my brother-in-law. And every year I bring them up to hunt. And um, uh, the first year I brought just the older one and um, we go to Nebraska because it opens early and they have a youth Rifle, or excuse me, a youth shotgun that opens when goes bow hunting to youth uh, shotgun and then on into regular shotgun. So there's a time when you can go up there and and you know you can adults can bow hunt and the kids can sh- hunt with a shotgun and it was a it was a good mix, except that one year it was four degrees. Yeah. <laughs> And and the other thing I had decided that year, we'd stayed in the motel the year before. Is I said, you know, I'm going to push them a little bit. So I got some tents, you know, and and we we stay out in tents all the time when we're filming and hunting in the backcountry. Well, I said we're just going to stay in tents this year. Well, it was four degrees, and luckily I had taken double. I I have a bunch of camping gear, and I. I took double the sleeping bags and ended up stuffing a sleeping bag in another stu- sleeping bag for all the kids, and they were fine. But now, if you talk to them about that, they don't remember how cold it was. They just remember the fact that they oh, yeah, th- th- it was cold, mm-hmm. but they survived and, and they, you know, they got, it, they got into turkeys and, you know, all that experience. Yep. And now I, I have all three of my nephews from nine to 14, along with my daughter. Um, still going and now they're they're uh, you know I can see the excitement building the first year they weren't sure what it was all about and like I said I, I did it my best to keep them somewhat comfortable and engaged the second year uh, the older boy he was engaged he knew what it was about now his little brothers were coming they didn't know so I, I worked to keep them engaged. now this this last year they were all engaged. Literally, they, they didn't want to leave the blind to go eat lunch. Like, you know, hunting turkeys. Hey, a turkey could walk by. So I see, I think I've done it right. I'm, I, I don't want to pat myself on the back, but I think I've done it right to build it up. They have some success, but they also have some trials and tribulations because one of the things I want to do is I want them to be successful, but I don't want to do it for them. Is that, does that make sense you know i want them to have to work for it because hunting is not about oh we just go out and shoot something i mean there's many a hunt i've come back empty-handed and that's why hunting is so so special you know it's so special um so uh, but anyway I, I i just think that that the kids are are where our future is i mean they say that more people die of natural causes this was before covid 19 but more more sportsmen die of natural causes than we're recruiting every day and so if we're not perpetuating that heritage and if we're not building that up you know that's that the, getting more kids involved and their friends i t- you know we will we'll go out avery will bring a couple of her buddies and we'll all go out together and and um, so anyway, it's to me that's important, It's important And, and there's something about just being able to be a blind, you know, God's creation and see the woods come alive, whether you're deer hunting or whatever, but just as the sun rises and the hoot owl and then the turkeys gobble and then all of a sudden there's deer, I mean, it's just a different, there's something different about it it's a different world and it's the world that i love it's the world that i enjoy spending time in and i get now i get to share it yep you know so what's your favorite hunt in your past uh maybe maybe your most difficult but definitely the the one that you say hey this is if i if i could pick one adventure i've been on this would be the hmm. i'd love to hear that story oh man that's tough um
1: you know i think Yeah, a lot of memorable ones for sure. You know, when we moved here a couple years ago to Wyoming, I think, having been in California, I always had had to travel to hunt a lot. I mean, sure, we had some, uh, you know, some birds and our our local uh, coastal blacktail and some hogs and different things, but really, uh, really had to travel to hunt, you know, to a lot of different states like Wyoming. And so, um, you know, I've been on, you know, I was about to say, I had my first sheep hunt, you know uh been fortunate enough to draw you know a, a big horn and you know have a couple and those are up at the top of the list for sure but um it was neat because after we moved here to Sheridan Wyoming and and really having just great access to hunting right here locally in Wyoming I'd always just uh wanted to be able to kind of scout and you know scour my maps and get on Onyx and figure stuff out and do some preseason and get up there and so my wife and I had a fun hunt she uh started to hunt with me here some years back and and so we uh had just a a, a, we actually weren't even residents yet because you gotta have 12 months here before you can get residency but I had some out of state some non-res points and so we had some some deer and elk tags and just literally uh went up in the teepee tent and and uh uh, headed up into the mountains and got mules from a guy I met down the road and went in with a couple mules and, and just went up in, in here to uh, what would, would be a uh, a general area up here in Wyoming uh, that we, we used non-res points to get. And we're in there for a number of days and, you know, ended up packing out a nice bowl and a nice buck that she shot. And um, it was just, it was really neat to be able to kind of, um, you know, really be, I don't know, it was, there were a lot of things. We actually did a little short film on it. There's about a, oh, I don't know, 10 to 15 minute film on it that my marketing team did, and kind of really related to the whole move of moving a an organization and hiring a bunch of employees and building a new facility. And it was, it was a really daunting couple of years for us as a as a family business to to do that and to leave behind the people we left behind and the great employees that weren't able to come. and And the marketing team really did this film. And I think they did a, a great job of really uh, talking about this hunt and the challenge of getting up every day and the change in a hunt and all these different things and really likened it to the move, and uh, and it was it was neat. So it was it was a special hunt in that sense. I got to do it with my wife, the love of my life, which was super fun. And you know we've we've shared a number of hunts together, but I think that one in particular, our first season here, and um, you know I mean our facility wasn't even built yet, and just kind of going through that. It'll be. It'll always be a real memorable one. And at our grand opening, we didn't hadn't seen the film. So, because my marketing director met us up there and did some hunting with us. And we were several miles in and it was a pretty exhausting hunt. So, him and his team really made the film. And at our grand opening here last year um, we had a big kind of party uh people came all in from all over the country to be a part of it and there's a big venue that night and they showed the film that night and uh it was just really special so wow it was uh kind of everything there's so many different things a part of that and the emotions tied up into it that it was a it was a a special hunt you know for us for sure so oh
0: wow cool cool and to share it with your wife um that, that that must have been uh a Quite a decision to really kind of uproot and move to Wyoming, and uh, I know it uh, fa- as a family man. There's consequences you have there, yeah. Or I, should I say, uh, maybe <laughs> consequence might not be the, the best word, but it, you definitely have yeah. some some trials and some and some struggles oh, yeah. with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then just the the business itself. What Was, uh, what was your main motivation to relocate?
1: Uh, Getting out of California. So, uh, just to run a business there, uh, the regulations... The taxes, uh, the gun laws—it's—it's it's not a great place uh, to do what we do. Right? Uh, maybe good for, for some people and some businesses, and we have a lot of friends and family there, and a lot of people we love. And trust me, my first winter here, there were days I was missing California. A lot of great things about the great state, but—but uh, uh, but obviously for our future, we had. A, what I like to say is we had a great past uh, in California, and we got to where we are because uh, of you know my grandpa moved out there in the '40s. Frankly, it's a different place than it is in 2020. And so, uh, you know, we really began looking at a place where we could really grow, do some more manufacturing, we could have access, uh, you know, to some great hunting, uh, really have an engaged workforce that, you know, loves the outdoors, and being a very business-friendly, tax-friendly, and gun-friendly state. Um, so you can't get much more of that than in, in the great cowboy state of Wyoming, and so, uh, so that's, where, that's where we ended up, and it's uh, exactly where we need to be. Well,
0: good. Good. What was the, what was the biggest, um, adjustment you think for the business? No, for you, for you as a man, you as a family, (laughs) what was the biggest adjustment coming from California Sure. with the, you know, all that you have at your fingertips. I mean, sure. uh, And now you come to Sheridan, Wyoming, what's Sheridan 30,000 people, uh, in the County,
1: not the city. (laughs) Half that. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, the biggest adjustment was the fact that you know, we, I mean, we'd spent our life and generations there. It was, it was really, uh, I mean, it was leaving the people. So it's leaving a lot of good family, a lot of good employees, a good church, and, and really starting over. You know, we moved a couple teenage kids, and that was a big sacrifice for them. Um, so it's really hard to do in the middle of high school. And then, you know, we lost 80% of our workforce. Um, you know, that just, couldn't move or didn't want to move or their wife didn't want to move, but they did. And right. <laughs> all those kind of things. It's, you know, a thousand miles away to, you know, go to a remote spot well, and Wyoming's a big hard sell on them. So uh, really training up a whole new workforce, which is a phenomenal workforce. And we got a bunch of great people, which is amazing. But, you know, for a while there, there, um, you know, it was, so it was my wife and I, you know, really kind of leading this family business, leading the family, you know, kind of taking that charge. It was the, it's one thing just to move your family, than to be responsible, you know, for all that I built a new seventy-five thousand square foot facility in the middle of it too, you know. So it was, it's just uh, the the move itself, or the location, or the climate, all those things were just secondary because it was this gargantuous undertaking of of taking this multi generational business and manufacturing business, mind you. You know, I mean, we shipped over thirty semis of you know stuff. Um, <laughs> you know, so I mean, it's just it's a uh, uh, it was definitely definitely a big. big move with a lot of change culturally. It's it's a lot different. So many things, you know, for the better, for sure. Um, But, uh, yeah, I don't even know. It's hard to even answer that question because there – it was so much change in in, uh, a pretty tight time window, Um, you know, really, you know, to be honest with you. But um, now that we're on the backside, it was the best move ever. Would I do it again? I wouldn't do it again a second time. I'd do it over again a first time, but I, I don't have the energy
0: in me to ever do it for a second time,
1: if that makes sense.
0: Right. <laughs> but, um, right. Sure. No, that makes yeah. that makes perfect sense. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, uh, I applaud you. I, I think it was a wise move for you guys. I think it's a great fit for the brand. Um, and again, I'm just, I'm a nobody looking in, just seeing, um, uh, I'm a huge fan of, of the outdoors so I'm a fan uh, and I'm also because of the industry I'm in 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 relation to a lot of marketing and, and you know working with companies and stuff like that I'm a student of the game and so I'm always interested in how somebody uh, what a company is and how they portray themselves how they're received by the end user how they're you know how what is the buzz around a, a, a company and you guys uh, i think it's uh, sure. it's it's hand in glove for for weatherby well it's
1: yeah it's more i mean i got two sales guys up in montana right now that are out of the office because they're bear hunting i got my marketing team They're bear hunting, had an engineer, daughter just got his first turkey. So it's, it's, it's part of our culture. It's part of who we are, you know, here it's, it's, uh, it's hard to, get people to come to work in the fall that's the only challenge but uh (laughs) it's a good problem to have that's for sure so we feel i feel like there's a better authenticity if you would uh you know being here in wyoming people you know we would see made in california stamped on the side of a gun and there was always a little weird part about that um again a great history and a great heritage out there uh
0: but i think the future is is where we're at Yeah, yeah for sure for sure well okay We'll wrap this up. We've been going a while. The one caliber. If you were to say, "Okay, I know I like to hunt elk and I like to hunt antelope um, and coyotes," and you know, what's what would be your go-to? Yeah. See, everybody asks me that, but you got to know
1: I got a warehouse full of guns in about twenty different calibers, so I don't ever have that problem. (laughs) That would be that's the world's <laughs> largest problem right there that we're facing is is having one gun. It would be horrible, um, but but right. Uh, no, right but no, right, it is right. it is you know it is a great question. I mean you know the 300 Weatherby mag has been one of our best sellers for so long because it is so di- you know so diverse. You can take a large bear to an antelope to you know you name it. Um, you know with it, so it's always been. You know, if I was to be stuck with one alone on an island, it'd probably be the 300 Weatherby Mag. But but I don't do that, so it's just not realistic.
0: <laughs> right. Well, no, and, and I understand that. Like, for me... Uh. Um, uh, I started out the 243 was the for a kid sure when I started out that's what everybody started you know you 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 shot your first deer or you hunted your first couple of years with the 243 right and um I, and then I, I went into a 270 where I, I got a pre-64 uh Winchester um featherweight from my grandpa that was handed down to me i don't shoot it's it's in the closet i don't even shoot it because i guess it's some type of collector's item i i don't know i don't you know but when my daughter was gonna hunt i checked around and she ended up shooting that six uh 6.5 creedmoor uh and it i just i love that round she she shot it practicing and it didn't beat the fire out of her you know it didn't make her gun, too gun shy she was able to squeeze through made a great shot um you know i, I know when i was young first i mean there's times you, you just you know you my, not my dad my dad didn't hunt my grandpa's and my uncles all hunted and you know it is you just shot whatever you had available and you know i was a little bitty kid and sitting behind a 300 you know, when mag or something like that, and you, uh, boy, that kick like a mule. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, of course, there was no muzzle brakes or anything like that at the time, or I'm sure there was, but we didn't have them, and and so, I don't know, I I uh, I just think I like that six point five. I still like that two forty three. I think that's a great round for a, for a young kid. It is, it is, um, you know.
1: Yep. No, my daughter shoots a six five Creed more. I think it's a great smaller round as well. We came out with the six five three hundred Weatherby which is like a 6.5 Creedmoor on steroids and that one's kind of fun but it's going to pack a bit more of a punch. It goes several hundred feet per second faster but some real high ballistic coefficient bullet travels pretty far so that one's kind of fun too but we have a lot of fun with, with cartridges so it's uh yeah it's always fun. I'm actually going to be his bear hunt going on next week trying out a new, a new cartridge so uh yeah, so brand brand new something we're experimenting around with. So, it's uh, going to be a little R&D in the field.
0: I, I would imagine the R&D would be a lot of fun, you know. I mean, I'm sure that there's the engineering behind it, and you're sure. you're looking at, at and understanding ballistics and this and that. And then you go to the range and you do looking at this, and but the but the where the rubber meets the road is when you're you know up and down, you know the in the high country or whatever, and you know you see a bear in some grass, and 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 you you know you set her down and and get steady, get your breathing, and you and and it goes off, and and you know what happens then how does that how does that bullet uh, hold together or expand or you know all the different factors that come into into play that's that's uh testing product testing at its finest yeah <laughs> yep yeah. yeah cool cool well um thanks for taking the time i, I mean this is something that that uh, i'm glad we uh, you know, I wanted to come up there just because I'd love to see the place, and and, and hopefully this this COVID stuff uh, chills out, and maybe I can make a trip up, because I'd love to see the whole operation and and, and meet everybody, and and uh, yeah, I'm excited. Uh, I'm glad you guys are here. I'm glad that we got uh, to to meet through a roundabout way. Um, you know, versus in a uh, in a building full of thousands of people with uh, the flu. You know, it's, I always call it the shot show flu. Right. <laughs> um, you know, and uh, it's a little more intimate getting to shake your hand at church than it is <laughs> in the Vegas Convention Center. Definitely. So.
1: Definitely. Well, next time I'm down your way, I'll look you back up again. We got you know a lot of friends down there, Colorado and stuff. Yeah. So we'll. We'll try to do that and would love to have you up here in Sheridan, Wyoming or anybody listening. You come by. we got a little showroom, and you
0: can check out the place and see firsthand. So, Yeah, for sure. Well, thanks again, and, uh, you know, I it's exciting. Uh, I wish you guys the best of luck. I'm excited to see where you guys grow as far as growth and uh, um, and just keep up the good work. You know, I, I, I also kind of got to see a little bit, Weatherby did some stuff with uh, rodeo and You know rodeo people and a few there was a little bit of crossover and i don't know if you're still doing a lot of that but um you know there's some guys i knew i had i was uh, rode bulls for a long time and so i kind of had my feet in that a little bit and so as you were so that caught my eye that a company like weatherby would take an interest in you know that uh, you know because most a uh, lot of bull riders a lot of a lot of rodeo people are quite out quite the outdoorsman so yeah um you know it kind of goes with that lifestyle so that's all i got man thanks okay. thanks for taking the time yeah, and, and uh, me on. i'll just i'll just sign off for those of you guys listening thanks for listening our desire is to inspire you to go out in the wild embrace it um god bless and we will see you down the trail